Faith is the victory. If you would take your Bibles this morning, we will be in Luke 18. We've taken a few weeks off from our study of Luke, but we're back to it again. And many things to learn along the way. I've really enjoyed studying Luke and is projecting it out even on into the future to get through 24 chapters of Luke. Lord willing, we could be done with it by the beginning of next school year. <laughs> so, so, so much good here. But Luke 18, praying with persistence. That's our subject for, for this morning here in this passage, verses 1 to 8. Prayer is so, so important to the Christian life. And we'll see today that it's related to faith. We just sang about faith. But faith and prayer, they go together. The more faith you have, the more likely you are to pray. The, the more you struggle with faith, if you're weaker in your faith, the less you are likely to pray. They do go together. Your prayer life reveals your faith. That's true for every one of us. What does your prayer life look like when you go through times of trouble? When you go through severe trials, do you pray passionately? Do you pray with intensity and purpose? Do you pray? Your faith is seen in that. If, you, if your faith is weak, then you just, you, you don't pray, you, you rarely pray, you have doubts, you know, that's evident too, that your faith is weak. M McGee says here, Men in difficult days will either faint or they will pray. Either they will, there will be days of fear or days of faith. I think that's pretty well said. And that's true for us. And so, here in Luke 18, Jesus uses a parable to teach this lesson. And he used parables so often. I'm thankful. I enjoy parables. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And... Parable is, is from, you know, the word parable is from two Greek words. It's a combination of two Greek words. Para means beside, and balo means to throw. It's where we get the word ball. So parable means to throw beside. That, that's what a parable means. And so here, that's exactly what happens. Jesus throws, he, he uses fictional narratives to, to set beside a, you know, the reality that people know in everyday life to teach a spiritual lesson. And you know, Jesus used over 40 parables in his ministry, at least 40 that, that are recorded in Scripture. And over 20 of them are right here. They're only found in Luke in between chapters 9 and, and 20. And here we're, I think I counted, there, there are three parables left after this in Luke. Yeah, so, so a lot of parables, a lot of things that we can profit from. But this parable ties into the previous passage that we looked at last time in Luke. Going back to chapter 17, the end of the chapter was about the end times, about the return of Christ and the, the condition of the world when, when the Lord re returns again. He will come just as it was in the days of Noah, just as it was in the days of Lot and the conditions of the world. And we're to be ready. We're to be watching. And 
We're to, we're to have faith and be praying even in times like that. So let's go ahead and read together here. Follow along as I read these verses, starting at verse 1 of Luke 18. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him and saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused. But afterward he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, Hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to, to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's blessing on this sermon. Heavenly Father, we thank you today for this parable given by the Lord Jesus Christ on prayer, on persistence in prayer. I pray that every one of us here knows you personally as Savior, and we, we walk by faith, we live by faith, and that faith is seen through continual, persistent praying. We know that you are all-powerful to answer, you desire to hear our prayer, but Lord, I pray that we we would be active in this continual prayer. Lord, I pray you would speak through me. Lord, help me to only say the things you'd have me to say. And Lord, I pray that we would each be willing to apply what we hear. Lord, there are so many things that we, we all need. Lord, help us to, to pray with faith, knowing that it makes a difference. Lord, we pray for your blessing. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. A lot, of, a lot of neat things in this parable. It's so fascinating. The first thing, the reason for the parable. The reason for the parable. The, the first reason there, you see in verse 1, letter A, we ought always to pray. We ought always to pray. And that, that's easier said than done, Right? Always. The New American Standard says at all times to pray. But it's an adverb that just, you know, it does mean always at all times, for, forever, continuous. This is an ongoing action. To always pray. Now Paul talked about the continuous aspect of the Christian life a lot. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5, rejoice always. Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Always. A lot of things we're to always be doing. The people would use this word a lot. Yeah, even after the Lord fed the 5,000 in John 6, 
they said afterward, give us this bread always. They, they wanted, uh, they wanted this blessing always. But to always, what should we always be doing? Praying. They ought always, that we ought all, always to pray. Now, what is prayer? Prayer is more than just a moment of silence. It's more than just meditation. It's access to God. It's a conversation with God. We know all about conversations. We have conversations with, you know, with one another. But prayer is a conversation we have with God the Father. And it's a tremendous blessing. Prayer is so important. I, I believe prayer really shouldn't be scripted. To write out your prayers and to just read them, that's not really a conversation. It needs to be heartfelt and natural. Sharing our souls with God. But we ought all, always to pray. Uh, Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray without ceasing. You know, that's the same idea here, always. Pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean you're just you know, constantly, all day and all night, eyes closed, folds, you know, hands folded, and you're just constantly praying. I mean, it's a, there's some of that, but it is a continual attitude of prayer. It's an ongoing conversation you have with, with God. Uh, J.C. Ryle says, always be in a prayerful frame of mind. I think that's pretty well said as well. McGee says, prayer is an attitude of, of, of the life. Prayer is an attitude of the life. So there, there is that sense that as we walk with the Lord, we, are, we, do, we do have an ongoing conversation. And you, you talk to the Lord, usually quietly or silently, and just asking for him to help and talking to him throughout the day. Hopefully that's true for you. But here in this passage, it takes it a step further. This isn't just the, the, the ongoing conversation. This is, this is a persistent, purposeful pleading with God to help you. Uh, day after day, over and over again. This is in, intentional, uh, so important, that we ought always to pray. Second, that we ought always to not lose heart as well, as you look at that, that uh, first verse, to not lose heart, not to faint, as some versions put it, or not to give up. Why, why do we faint in our prayer life? Why do we lose heart and stop praying? Well, there are several reasons why, but perhaps it's because, you know, as we pray, we, we just don't see the results that we want. God is not answering how we desire. He's not listening to us, we think, and we lose, we lose heart. You know, when we pray, God can either answer with a yes which is what we always want, or you can say no. But oftentimes he says wait. But it's that, you know, the very idea, sometimes he says no, and we just, we're discouraged. But the waiting, the waiting is so difficult. Being patient. How many of you are good at being patient? <laughs> I'm not very good at that. It's something I struggle with. I think we all do. 
But you know, we pray if the Lord wills, as James tells us in chapter 4. But you know, sometimes God just doesn't answer when we want Him to answer. Uh, we, we just, we, we want it right now. We want it immediately. Uh, now the, the roles in the parable here, the second point. Here, this is a very brief parable, a brief story, but it has a powerful lesson for us. But first you have the unrighteous judge. The unrighteous judge. Now this man, well, he, he's, he's quite a person. There in verse 2, in a certain city there was a judge, or a magistrate, who neither feared God nor man, nor, nor, nor respected man. Uh, first, he, this person is described as not loving God. He doesn't love God, doesn't fear God with that reverential fear that comes from a proper love of God. He doesn't fear man. He, he, he doesn't respect man. Uh, he, he doesn't care what man can do for, for him. Or he doesn't care what man can do to him. He just, he's all about himself. That's, that's how we describe this person. He, 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 was, you know, he had a lot of authority. He had power. And he, he didn't care about anybody else. He just wanted, you know, he just did things his way and that, that was it. Um, and down in verse 6, he is described, as, you know, here what the, Christ says, hear what the unrighteous judge says. He's described as unrighteous. He's, he refuses to do right. Here, he has no com compassion or concern for this very needy widow who is pleading before him for justice. He, he doesn't care. He's not going to do right. He's stubborn about it. Listen to Dr. MacArthur. He says, He was not moved by reverence or worship or by compassion or sympathy. He had no interest in the first commandment to love God or the second commandment to love his neighbor. Not only was he wicked, but he also was comfortable with his corruption. You know, I, I think that's pretty well said. And that is this unrighteous judge. And he, you know, there in the ESV it says, he, he, nor respected man. That word for respect has the idea of you know, t to be put to shame. And in that culture, and I think even still in our culture, we live by, you know, there, it's an, a shame and honor-based culture. We try, to, we try to do things that bring us honor. We try to avoid doing things that bring us shame. And that's how we live our lives, if we're, if we're honest, I think. Uh, but this judge, really I think the point is, he, he had no shame. He just, he was all about himself. He did what, whatever he wanted. He didn't care what anybody thought. He didn't care what God thought about his actions. Um, he was unrighteous. But then the second thing we see here, the second role, is the persistent widow. And this woman in the parable, she's going through quite a bit. She, she has, well, there in verse 3, there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him, saying, give me justice against my adversary. She was going through a difficult time. And of course, we don't know all the details, and that's not the point, because it's just a simple uh, 
fictional story here, but she, she has an adversary, an opponent, or an enemy who is making her life difficult. Uh, this, this word for adversary, you know, elsewhere in the New Testament is accuser. She, you know, she, she has an accuser, but she's helpless. Her, her life is difficult. She's desperate. And maybe you can identify with this woman in your life. Do you have some need or concern? You're just desperate. You, you need God to work. She, in that culture, would have had, you know, of course, with her husband having passed away, she wouldn't have had, she wouldn't have had the advantages or rights that women, you know, even that widows, would, would enjoy now. Uh, so she's, she's desperate. And then the rundown of the parable. You know, here we see it's very, very brief, but this, this woman, she has this need. She has an adversary, and she needs justice. She has been wronged to, you know, in some respect, and she needs things to be set right. She, she needs justice. Um, I like how Dr. J. Vernon McGee Puts it. So I'm, I don't do this often, but I want to give you his rendition of this parable. Uh, as he puts it so well. He says, Now in this city there was a judge who was a godless fellow. He was an unscrupulous politician, scheming, cold, and calculating. Everything he did was for himself. He had no respect for this widow at all. The widow, likely, was beaten out of her little home. The mortgage was being foreclosed and she was being treated unjustly. She went to this prominent judge, took her place in his office, and asked the secretary if she might talk to the judge. The secretary told her, he's very busy. If you will just tell me the nature of your complaint. So the widow told her, I'm just a poor widow. I live out here on the edge of town, and I'm about to lose my place. It's unfair, it's unjust, I want to appeal to the judge. The secretary went into the judge's office and said, there's this widow out there. Well, he says, I can get rid of her in three minutes. I'm a politician, I know how to handle her, let her come in. She, she came in, he listened to her for three minutes. Then he said, I'm sorry, but that's out of my realm I'd love to do something for you, but I am unable to do anything. Good day. <laughs> the next day, when he came into the office, there was the widow. He hurried into his office, called in his secretary, and asked, what's that widow doing back? She wants to see you. She, she, she says she wants to see you. Will you go back and tell her I am busy until lunchtime? I've already told her that. Says the, says the secretary, but she brought her lunch. And she says she will stay as long as necessary. She stayed all that day and didn't get to see him. He thought uh, he had gotten rid of her. But the next day when he came in, there she was. She did this for several days. And finally he said, I'll have to do something about this. <laughs> I can't go on like this. He had gotten into office by saying, I'm thinking of the poor people. But he wasn't. 
He was thinking of himself. To his secretary, he said, bring her in. This time he said to the widow, I, I'll give you legal pr pr protection. Uh, so here, here we see this, this widow. She would not take no for an answer. She, she needed justice. She was desperate for the judge to, to do what was right in her case. Uh, it says there, uh, down in verse 5, you know, he says, Yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down. That's what the ESV says. Beat me down. And that, that phrase there in the, in the original means literally to strike in the face. Uh, she was figuratively wearing him out and beating him up giving him a black eye. I mean, he was, he was stubbornly refusing to help, and she was, she was beating him down. He was annoyed and bothered and being beaten up. Uh, and he finally con concedes and helps her. You know, I, I wonder if you and I have the same attitude when it comes to prayer. When it comes to the desperate need for God to work. And we all, as I look around, every one of us has a different struggle. And I'm sure uh, the concerns and the trials we go through vary and are different. But we need God to work. We go to the righteous judge and we pray. Maybe it's for the salvation of somebody in your family or a neighbor or a co-worker. Somebody you go to school with. And after a couple of times of praying, we tell ourselves, you know, God, God heard my prayer. If, if he wants to do that, then, then he will. And we, we justify not praying anymore. We stop. It's tragic. Or we pray, you know, for God's will to be known in some matter, for God to heal a disease or a sickness. For God to build his church here at Bethel or, wh or whatever it may be. And we pray for a time and then we, as the parable says, we faint or we lose heart and we just stop praying. How sad. We would never admit it, but we, we lose hope and we show it by our actions. We ought to continue to be persistent in prayer as this widow teaches us so well. She kept coming to him, uh, wore the judge down, and received the justice that she needed. Fourth point here is the reminders from the parable. There's some neat things here that we can learn from this parable. Letter A, the unright an unrighteous judge can be swayed. You know, here, Christ says in verse 6, hear what the unrighteous judge says. We can learn not just from positive good examples, but we can learn from a bad example. And here we see this unrighteous judge who is so proud and, and conceited and only concerned for himself. Here he, over time, 
he softens and he concedes and he, he gives in to this widow. Um, the persistent widow's prayer made, it, made a difference. And when we pray, let us continue having the faith that this woman did, knowing that prayer makes a difference. Now, not always will you get exactly what you pray for. We pray for God's will. His will is always best. But let's not lose hope. Our prayer makes, makes a difference. Uh, be there, the, the righteous judge, the righteous judge, that's Christ, wants to be swayed. Wants to be swayed. You know, here, this is a parable with a, quite a stark contrast. Here you have this, this judge who is so wicked and unloving and cruel. And then you have, have God, on the other hand, who is just the opposite. He's loving and kind and compassionate. He, he, wants, to do right. he wants to do right. It's, it's his very nature. And he's just waiting for us, and like it says there in verse 7, to cry to him, to cry out to him. To you know, his, his elect, to cry out to him. Yet we, we so often just make excuses why we don't pray as we should. It says there in verse 7, And will not God give justice to his elect? It's very important. God, in his sovereignty, has elected certain individuals to salvation. Now, the, the call goes forth. Everyone needs to put their faith in Jesus Christ and repent of their sins. And I hope today you have done that, that you have called out to Jesus Christ in saving faith, realizing you can't save yourself. Only he can save you. He died on the cross in your place to repent and believe the good news of the gospel. But here, God, in this parable, wants to give justice to, to his elect. doesn't say to everybody, but to his elect. If you're without Christ and have never been born again, and the first prayer, the most important prayer you'll ever pray in your life, is the prayer to ask Christ to save you. And that's where it begins. And then you can continue praying, even for other things. But you must be born again. Call on the name of the Lord. Um, but here, another thing here that stands out to me is that, you know, what's the proof of being elect? Look at verse 7 again. And will not God give justice to his elect, who cry to him day and night? If you are elect, if you are born again, if you're a Christian, it should be natural to have the faith to pray. Do you pray persistently, continually? If you pray that way, that's evidence that you know the Lord is Savior. On the other hand, if, you, if you're prayerless, if you struggle to pray, if you see it as a burden... If you see prayer as just something you have to do and you dread it, that's evidence you may not know the Lord. You need to examine your heart. Do you really know the Lord as Savior? If you dread prayer, prayer is such a blessing and it's proof that you know the Lord. 
Uh, I want you to keep your place here. Go over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 7, starting at verse 7. We'll read down to 11. But here he talks about prayer and how, how God wants to answer our prayer. Verse 7 of Matthew 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father who is in heaven will give good things to those who ask him. We must pray. Here he says, ask, seek, knock. Are you you doing that? Are you praying? That's an evidence of faith, but God wants to answer. Now, turn back to Luke 8, uh, 18, excuse me, Luke 18. The third reminder here that I draw from this parable is that the righteous judge will look for faith. Now the Bible tells us Christ is the judge. The Father judges no one but has given all judgment to the Son. I think that's in John 5. Christ is coming back. Do you believe Christ is coming again? Amen. Amen. Hopefully he comes soon. He, He could come today. He could come right now as I say this. And that's kind of, that's, that's a large part of the context of this parable is his return. Now there's a very thought-provoking question here he ends this parable with, and it almost seems out of place. But when you dig into it, I think it's perfect. Uh, verse 8, the very end of the verse says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He's talking about himself. He is the Son of Man. And he is the one we are waiting for. Jesus Christ is coming again. He's coming at any moment. Will he find faith on earth? What a question. Will he find faith on earth? And I think the point is here in this parable, faith is demonstrated by this prayer life that we should have. If we... Pray as we should. That demonstrates faith. It demonstrates that we do believe God answers prayer. We do believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior. Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth? If we are people who continue in prayer, if we don't just give up after praying once or twice, if we are like this widow, and we come day after day until God answers. That's the type of faith that we, that we must have. Will he find faith on the earth? People who know him are people who pray. Um, J.C. Ryle says, It is far more easy to begin a habit of prayer than to keep it up. <laughs> He's right. To, to, to go on praying requires faith. And 
Yeah, we must. Hopefully, we, we continue praying, you know, whatever the concern is that we have. And our faith, our faith grows in the meantime. Our faith grows. Augustine, the church father from, I think, the 4th century A.D., he said this, When faith fails, prayer dies. In order to pray, then, we must have faith. And that our faith fail not, we must pray. Faith pours forth prayer. And pouring forth, and the pouring forth of the heart in prayer gives steadfastness to faith. And that's kind of where we started this message. Faith and prayer, they go, to, they go together. And you know, if you have strong faith, you will have strong prayer. And you will live a lifestyle of persistent prayer. That should be natural. So, whatever the concern is, whatever the trials that we face and we live through, let's, let's give our burdens to, to God, casting all our anxieties on Him because He cares for us. 1 Peter 5, 7. So, you think of the cares, whether it's health or God's leading or direction. Wisdom, maybe God's help in a relationship or God's help in an addiction, someone's salvation, someone to change their ways or, or maybe to change your own ways. Praying. Let's continue on. Uh, now, just some questions here, some application points here to draw out. Uh, do you have faith? Christ ended with that question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? Have you expressed faith and do you believe Jesus as Lord and that he rose from the dead? Are you willing to repent of your sin and, and turn to him and be saved? If you have any questions about that, it's so simple to... to to believe. I encourage you to come find me afterward and I can show you from the Word of God how, how to be born again. But it is so important to have faith. For, for those of us who know the Lord, who have saving faith, who have been saved, is your faith seen in your prayer? Do you pray like this widow? Do you pray continually and purposefully? Do you, do you consistently keep praying passionately? Don't lose hope. We need to keep praying until, until he returns. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this reminder, for this portion of Scripture where we see the importance of prayer and how it is an evidence of faith. Lord, whatever the struggles the trials, the temptations, the difficulties we face. May we give them to you. And Lord, I pray that we would continue to plead for you to work and to answer. Lord, we, we thank you that you desire to hear our prayer and you have all the power and ability to answer. We thank you that you are sovereign over all and your will is best. And Lord, we 
We just thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.